Welcome fathers who are looking to inspire their kids and become fearless. This is the Become a Fearless Father show and I'm your host, Klaas van Oosterhout. I'm a father of two boys, husband and entrepreneur. This show is created to teach you how to take control and enjoy the most difficult job you've ever faced, fatherhood. I'm going to keep it real and share real life experience. A heads up, there is no magic pill. You will have to put in the hours, sweat and tears to achieve victory. Are you ready to improve your health, wealth, relationships, knowledge and become the hero your family needs you to be? I know you are. So get your pen and paper ready and let's become fearless fathers together. So welcome everybody to yet the 42nd live interview for Become a Fearless Father. And um, today, and I'm going to say his first name and he's going to say his last name because <laughs> I'm going to probably lose my tongue. Even though always, always people say they have a difficulty with my name. I think his name is more difficult than mine. Um, anyway, Aaron, welcome. Thank you so much for being on. And please um, share with me your last name um, so it's pronounced correctly. Yeah, I saw you know, the pronunciation of your name looked just as hard. But yeah, my last name is Amuchastegi. Amuchastegi. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, if you if you hear it, then it's uh, it's it's pretty okay. So I appreciate you sharing that. So uh, we're going to talk about tons and tons of stuff, but let's start off first with a little bit of your background story, so we get to know you a bit better, um, and then we will take it from there. All right. So the the background story of how Aaron became Aaron, huh? <laughs> yes, please. All right. So the um, you know. When when people say like, hey, give your ele elevator pitch or, or or where you where you come from, the um, you know I usually I probably I, a lot of times I start it maybe like uh, you know, two thousand five two thousand six right. So the I, I was originally from you know Southern Oregon, uh, you know in, in the U S. and, and was going to go down to college in California at San Luis Obispo. And my plan was to go down there for a little while and then uh, come back. And the, I got down to California and the weather was awesome and we surfed every Friday and the, and there was no going back to Oregon once I had experienced more of the world. Um, and so I also graduated, uh, from college in construction management at the height of the housing boom. So it was a, it was a great time to be a, and good morning, it was a great time to be a, a graduate in, in construction because the housing boom was happening. You know, there was, everybody was building houses, lots of big builders out there, heavily recruited. And so spent a couple years working in the housing market. And then we had is the giant housing crash and the housing, the housing mm -hmm. bubble. And so at that time, the company that I was working for, we had, you know, maybe a hundred employees and everybody got laid off except for wow. about five of us. And, mm -hmm. the, and it was like the owners and me. And we had to move up to, to Sacramento. I could no longer be at the coast. And we started trying to find new business plans. Um, yes, it, somewhere in there, we started to find this idea of like buying foreclosures and flipping houses. We had tried like eight or nine different business ideas and that one finally stuck. And, um, at that time we had gone from, you know, high six figure salaries to, to you know, to wages cut in half to working around the clock. I was working during the day and my wife was a waitress working at night. Mm. And so she was working nights, you know, at, at, at a, as a waitress at a local casino. And so I would get home from work. And she would hand me the baby and she would head off to work or I would get home from work. And we had this teenage babysitter that would sometimes watch Maddie for like an hour and head off to work. Um, our, one of our big turning point moments was then uh, Charlotte, my second daughter was born six weeks early. And, um, you know, and it was, it was, uh, it's really, our first daughter was born on her due date. Right. And the, and that's tough enough, you know, having kids is crazy, but the, but our second daughter was born six weeks early. And I was staring there looking at Charlotte and she was in this little incubator and I felt like it was my fault. I felt like, wow, I've been working around the clock. Her mom had to be a waitress at night while she was pregnant. Like, you know, I need to make a big change. And that was the, that was the moment that I decided to, to, you know, to quit my job and start my business. Um, you know, our business over like that next, you know, few years made a lot of quick jumps. First, it was like the first six weeks of trying to start the business. We didn't get any deals. So we almost, we almost ran out of money. You know, we almost thought I was going to have to get another job, but then we had a lot of luck in flipping houses, ended up getting some investments and then some big, big investment funds. And along the way, we flipped about a thousand houses in California. So we built this giant business out of nowhere. Um, 2013, 2014, a lot of people started getting, oh my gosh, you look like a lion this morning. I love it. The, uh, 
And so somewhere along the lines there, the, in 2013, 2014, our companies then failed again. And we'd gone from like, you know, failure to success to failure and then had to reset our businesses. At the same time, that's when my wife and I really started resetting our, our family values. The first time, you know, in 2012, we were super, super wealthy, doing really well. She was working as a broker, you know, selling my houses now. I was flipping them, but we weren't, we didn't have a very good relationship. We had nannies raising our kids. We didn't have good interaction with each other. It was all like work. You know, we, had, we, set, we set out trying to pay our bills and then we got super, super successful, but then we forgot about family values and family. And so then when we had a chance, you know, in 2014, 2015, I found some new business plans to kind of restart our business. And I told Kalina, hey, you got to come uh, work with me now again. And she said, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not, I'm not going to work with you again. I'm going to raise our kids. I'm going to take care of the household and I'm going to support you in what you're going to do. And th thank God she was so smart. Because at that time, I'm like, we're giving up $15,000 a month in commission. I need you to be my broker. Yeah. And she's like, no, it's going to work. And so that balance really started kind of where we're at now, where the focus was she would take care of the kids. Uh, she would focus on the household. She would help make sure everything works. She would support me in my business, encourage me in my business so I could travel and go to different spots to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And where I didn't think we were going to be able to make up the finances, our business grew way more than what we had lost by that with having those correct family values. Um, and you know, a couple of years later, we started taking our kids with us more with traveling. You know, we kind of started having this concept of if you have a bucket list instead of, you know, my, my dad passed away way before he was supposed to. And so it changed our mindset to let's start knocking out our bucket list now. And our big long story short is now we, we homeschool our kids. Um, we travel around the world with them. We travel around, you know, the United States with them. We have a book uh, that got released uh, back in November um, called "The Five Hour School Week," and the and really that's about our philosophy on homeschooling. It's an hour of focus a day of school, and the rest of the day you can do all sorts of stuff. So we we had this time where we were doing we were in the rat race, trying to just keep up you know, as a job, then we became entrepreneurs and we became super, super successful, but we didn't know what to do with that success, with that money. We made a lot of bad decisions. We went broke again. You know, we prayed and said, Hey, next time, if we ever get another shot, we're sure going to do it different next time. God answered our prayers. You know, we found these new business plans. We were able to find this new opportunity. And now this time with our success, we are doing it the right way. It's all with family values. You know, all of our decisions are about family values. It's sharing the wealth. It's trying to teach people and even writing the book, that wasn't even, our plan was not to write a book. People just kept asking us like, hey, what are you doing? And my wife would get Facebook messages every day, like, tell us what you're doing. So I was finally like, well, let's, let's just make a book. And we didn't think it was going to sell very well. Um, we just thought it was going to kind of be like, almost like a hobby and, and pass it off. And it's been a number one bestseller on, on, uh, you know, on Amazon since the week it came out. We're getting more and more people reach out all the time saying, oh, you're inspiring me to do this, or hey, I homeschool and now you're helping me, or, or hey, I love your family values. It was, it's really just a story about our life and, and really that elevator pitch I just gave you. Wow, that's amazing. I like that. And I got tons of stuff to talk about. <laughs> where to start or where to start? First of all, thanks again. And for the people that watch this and for the first time, just wanted to let you know, uh, I'm not going to apologize for the fact that my kids walk in. And that's what Adapreneur Life is all about. I love it. And uh, yeah, that's that. And, and the one face, we have Carnival here. So that's what we were all like that, including me. <laughs> but I, I, was, I was thinking, Aaron, am I going to leave it on or am I going to take it off? And it's too hot here. And I didn't want to go like this the whole time and have it in my eye while we were talking because it would have been a big disruption. So sorry. If you were looking forward to that, then I'm sorry. Yeah, the Carnival face would have been good. You know, Almost every podcast I'm on, one of the kids will walk in. So I'll be shocked if we don't get one of my kids in here. Oh, I hope so. I love it. I love it. I love it. So uh, let's hope so. Man, you, you, you touched a lot of things that I wanted to ask more about. One of the things that I found so impressive is that um, if, if I saw it correctly on your website, uh, you got four businesses, then you wrote a book, and let me, let me count. There's four kids, right? One boy and three, and three girls. So that's just like, wow amazing and and not just that successful so the first thing i want to ask you because i i a lot of people make mistakes now thinking that that's success that's what i also need to achieve and then try to get what you have and fail so to say right 
what is your philosophy when it comes to success? Yeah, the, um, you know, I, I'd say when, when you think about success and what you want, there's just so many different versions of that, right? There's statements like uh, becoming a whole life millionaire, or I'm in a group called uh, GoBundance, which is this entrepreneur, you know, mastermind group. And we've got all these pillars of making sure that we, you know, that we're healthy, you know, that we want to, that we're going to live long lives, that we have good family values, you know? So there's, there are a lot of ways to have that be well-rounded. When I was younger, what I thought success was, was making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I was forming a business and making a lot of money. And I had the mindset that I was going to do whatever it took to get there. Right. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, and, and over several years that happened. And the, but one of those things that was really crazy with that mindset is all of a sudden when things are like, we were not ready for that success. We mm-hmm. were not taught what to do when we hit that success. We were told, do it, do it, do it. And then, um, and then we really just screwed it up the first time. Like we, we wasted money on the wrong things and we wasted our values on the wrong thing and we wasted our time on the wrong thing. And probably one of the best gifts I got was to get to the top and then have it all fall apart and, and, and lose all the money and lose the family where we were, you know, we were sure we were going to get a divorce and become separated. And it was just, none of it was going to work anymore. And then having that chance to really redefine what success should be. Because mm-hmm. when, when you don't have any money, you really want money, right? That's, it's really what you need because the, it's tough to eat, right? And, I, and I've, lived that, I've lived a bunch of my life like that, and I acknowledge that. And then you get a bunch of money, and, the, and it does solve a big part of that. But it doesn't solve that, like, fulfillment uh, of what's there. And so, the, so I think everybody has different things of what are important, right? So some mm-hmm. people have families, and so family is the most important thing for them. Some people have nonprofits that they want to support, and that's the most important for them. And for us, it's a bunch of those things. So, um, so we love we have our family values kind of first, right? That it's it's our family, and that we're a team unit, and we're going to go do stuff together. Uh, one of the reasons we try to travel is one of our intentions is we travel to third world countries a lot, and when we do, we don't stay in nice places. You know, the the Airbnb that we stayed at in Cuba was in the middle of Havana, and the and the houses next door didn't even have a front door on it. Right. So we stay, so we stay in these, in these places or we go to Haiti. And so a lot of the reasons we travel to like third world countries is because we want our kids to appreciate what they have mm-hmm. and we want them to also see and experience the world in other ways. So, um, but if you were, if you were going to summarize success for us, it's trying, it's having businesses to where, um, money is no longer a stress, but not to where the business becomes the stress. That's a really fine line. And then what we try to do with our finances, with everything, is we, is we know that there is a chance that we could go out of business again, right? We could, so our thing is like, hey, we're going to live it up and we're going to have all these experiences and we're, going to, and we're going to give a bunch of money away to the best nonprofits and we're going to, we're not going to buy stupid things this time. We're going to do a whole bunch of stuff. And that way, if, all, if something bad happens and the market changes or, or what we're in isn't sustainable, then we'll be able to say, hey, we did it right. We'll have a lot of great memories, a lot of great things. And the, and the biggest part is our, is our kids understanding that the, um, that there's, that they're super important to us in, in, in the reason that we made a lot of these changes. Exactly. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks for sharing that. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're really enjoying the show. Just want to make sure if you're liking this information, please subscribe and um, press the like button. And also go visit becomeafearlessfather.com. You get the opportunity to share your biggest challenge at the moment as a father. And it gives me the opportunity to try and help you overcome this. Thanks and enjoy the rest of the show. You mentioned you got a lot of businesses. You failed, you've been successful, you failed again, you've been successful, or I shouldn't say failed, but you, you lost everything, you build it up again. What would be some of the secrets or maybe there's one big secret or tip I know a secret is like the word that everybody uses at the moment. It seems everything is a secret all of a sudden. But what would be one of the biggest tips that you could share for somebody that's like, wow, look, you all of a sudden got four business again after failing, you picked it up, you did it again. What would be a tip for somebody that's still looking for their successful business, so to say? Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the, so the first time, so like 2009 to 2012, right? Went from flipping a couple of houses to a bunch of houses. I had a bunch of employees. I had really high overhead. You know, we had we had company cars. We had you know all these uh, all these overhead expenses. 
to start those businesses. And we worked all the time. And then when, at that time, when then we lost it all and I was trying to reset everything, there were two books that I picked up that really helped re, you know, rechange everything. One is Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning. And the other is Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Workweek, right? And, the, and both of those things, what that really showed me was that you could, was one, the, the Miracle Morning was a way to put like my life back together to focus on, you know, staying positive and, 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 you know, and being present and being ready to take on the world. And then the four hour work week was a way to say, hey, maybe you can get 90% of the same amount of income or 90% of the same amount of, uh, same amount of success, but with like 10 or 20% of the effort. Mm -hmm. And I started to adjust my flipping company to really be able to work three to four days a month. And then the rest of the time, I don't have to work inside that business. Now, that was a process, um, but the, you know, there's, you know, the 80-20 principle talks about you get 80% of the outcome for 20% of the effort. So a lot of our stuff is very, very focused activities. Mm -hmm. You know, it's trying to set up batching and set up systems and really analyze our businesses from a big scale and then, fo and then focus on them. You know, and then now we have some diversity, right? First, it was just flipping houses, which was great for monthly income, but as soon as that turned off, we lost all that money. We were like, oh, that was pretty short-sighted. Mm -hmm. And so now we, you know, we buy 10 houses a month. And when we do, we flip, eight, we flip two of them. And then we keep eight of them as rentals, right? Mm -hmm. I remember looking back in 2013 going, wow, if I would have just kept half of those as rentals somehow and refinanced them, my life would be very different. And so trying to create something more sustainable. Mm -hmm. And then by diversifying and diversifying into other business classes and investing in different people now. Um, you know, and then our, one of the newer companies that, that we own out, out in Texas was we were, we were a customer that would buy these foreclosure leads and the, and when the prior owner died, they reached out to us to see if we wanted to buy it. And so now we're diversified in that sense. And so, so big secrets is like 80, 20 principle can change everything. And really that whole idea that maybe, um, sometimes you hire somebody and you pay them $5,000 a month and you're only going to increase your revenue by $5,000 a month. So really paying attention to that cash flow too. As revenue goes up, it should go up at a, you know, at a, at a graph like this and expenses should go at a graph like this. Mm -hmm. And as long, so every, every dollar you add an expense, you should add $2 in profit. A lot uh, one of the problems is a lot of times people, when they grow businesses, they grow, and probably what happened to me the first time, they grow so fast that they'll hire somebody for $5,000 a month, but it's only actually increasing the rev, you know, the revenue by, by four or 5,000. And so it's just making life harder. So it's like simplifying it. So we had a ton of employees before when we did the flipping business. After we used those four-hour workweek principles, we've got a team of six, and we do more houses now than we did when we had a team of 20 or 30. Wow. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy, uh, Aaron, that you immediately mentioned books. I'm very big on, on sharing what kind of books uh, successful entrepreneurs are reading. So thank you for taking away that question for later. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you mentioned something I'm big on that on, on, on morning routine so you mentioned how Elrod so my next question is going to be man, what, what, what is your morning routine at the moment look like yeah so the you know one is just getting up trying to get up earlier and earlier mm -hmm. right so if I get up at 4.30 in the morning my day is so awesome if I get up at 4 in the morning my day is even better you know having um, <coughs> and there's a couple reasons for that so um, you know when you get up early, you can get that time to yourself where you can focus on the things you never have enough time for. The, you know, you can do, you can, you can write, you can journal, you can meditate, you can just kind of plan your day. A day is so much more successful if you actually have a, a time, take time to like look at your schedule and go, this is what I'm going to do today. Here's my plan. Oh, here's something that I was supposed to do yesterday. I need to do this first. Mm -hmm. um, and then also if you start working at like, let's say, you know, so the morning routine is really a lot of that stuff at the beginning. So like reading, writing, uh, meditating. Um, I'm training for an Ironman again right now. And so that I used to exercise in the morning, but now that's a two or a three hour a day thing. So I can't really do that in the morning and get my work stuff done. So I'll usually do that exercise like around noon. Mm -hmm. um, but then if, if by 530 in the morning, you start, um, you know, you start working and you start replying to emails and everything, then um, nobody else is working. And so you can have 50 emails in your inbox and you can reply to them all really quick. Um, and so I try to get that done before kind of the world is awake. And then I turn on my autoresponder and say, Hey, I'm done working for the day. And so I just reply to him the next day. Um, but yeah, that's, that's most of my, my, my morning routine is the, 
you know, it, it is kind of the whole, the whole list of the, of the Miracle Morning, really. Nice. I like that. And what is your um, evening routine look like then? So, for example, um, a lot of times we hear people say 4, 4.30 a.m., but I'm assuming you make sure that you get enough sleep, right? Right. Yeah. The, and and I, we do go to – we start laying down and going to bed pretty early, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end of my work day, I try to look at my journal and go, all right, here's my plan for tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? I, I go like, hey, here's the stuff I didn't get done. Here's the stuff I did get done. Um, and then it's really going – you know, we get our kids. Our kids are laying in bed by 8 o'clock at night. Okay. You know, they, they're, they're, you know, they're going to be asleep by nine and then kind of the same with us as, as adults. So my wife and I will be in bed by eight, eight o'clock. Um, we'll watch a show, we'll read, we'll chat, but then we're usually asleep by nine, nine thirty. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah. That's where a lot of people I see making the switch that they stay up so late and then they feel horrible <laughs> throughout the whole day. Right. I did the four morning, uh, the four a.m. one, but then I also went to sleep real late, and I was wondering why I was feeling so crappy during the day while everybody was saying I wake up at four and I feel great. I'm like something's not right, but uh, nobody ever told me like you know I actually go to sleep at, or to bed at like eight nine o'clock. I'm not yeah. detail. Thanks. <laughs> I, used to, I used to think I was a night owl, and I used to think that I was way more productive at night mm. until I actually analyzing that and like I read I read the four-hour work week and some of that stuff and realized that the it just isn't the most efficient time like yeah I could stay up until 11 o'clock at night like doing stuff but there's no way I was as productive as when I did it at 4 30 in the morning after my cup of coffee and I'm rocking right so the it's kind of like trading at, and at the end of the day your brain's tired they're just you just aren't going to get as much stuff done so at the end of the day that's when we do like the reflect on the day and the mindless stuff like watch some tv do some of that stuff because um, yeah, I, but I, I used to think I performed best at night, but I was just wasting time. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing. That's very important for people to pick up on that, man. I'm sorry. I keep forgetting to tell people and <laughs> make sure you got your pen and paper ready and take notes. Um, I always am. And I, I'm supposed to say that at the beginning and I keep forgetting. Sorry about that people. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping by now that you do it anyway, because you know that I forget stuff. <laughs> so um that said i would love to because you already mentioned like uh, you read four hour work week you actually written now the five hour school week which kind of sounds a little bit like it's 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 uh, at least for the title a little based on that um i, I want to hear more about it what made you besides the people asking and asking things what made you decide like okay i'm going to write the five hour school week and what can people that haven't heard of it and are interested in it and maybe want to buy it, what can they expect when they, uh, when they get the book? Yeah. The, um, and you're absolutely right. Like we took like Tim, Tim Ferriss's four hour work. We totally changed my business life. Right. And the, and I was actually on stage, uh, telling people about it, mm. you know, doing our thing of like, of like some, like a coaching session of, Hey, you're working too much. Here's a bunch of principles that you can apply to where you can work just a couple hours a day and start living your life. And it was a great session and there was a couple hundred people there and lots of questions, lots of interaction. Everybody was super happy. And at the end, one of the questions, the lady stood up and said, hey, that sounds really good for your work, but how do you apply that to your kids in their school? And I was like, wow, I don't really know, right? <laughs> that hadn't really hit us yet because it's funny. We were telling ourselves, like, only hang out with winners. Don't sit, on, don't sit in a desk all day. Go try to make the most of your life. And then we would send our kids. They went to a great school. It was a great private school. But, they're, you know, we, but we were sending them to a place to go hang out for eight hours and sit in a chair and, and, and do this stuff that was totally inefficient learning. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we were kind of anti-homeschoolers. We, you know, we thought only weird people would homeschool. That wasn't really the, you know, the, the thing. And it kind of snuck up on us. So one of the stories behind what started making our change was the, you know, we did a, a family trip to Yosemite uh, National Park. Mm. And it was during a school week, but we had bought, bought it like a year prior in one of those like flash sales for like 150 bucks or 200 bucks. We had to go stay for a week in a cabin in Yosemite. Wow. So we pulled the kids out of school, went out there. And the, and part of that too, is our kids were also just kind of stressed at school. We would notice that like it was a rush to get out the door. We'd drop them off. And when we picked them up from school, they were like tired. They were exhausted. So we weren't getting the best of them. They were like fighting with us on the way home because they were hungry and cranky and tired. And so we would drop our kids off at school and they were like happy and healthy and productive. And we'd pick them up and it would be like, we'd have to put them back together. Not everybody's experience is like that, but that's how ours was. Mm-hmm. Kind of like at the end of a long day, we're cranky people. A lot like what we talked about, you know, in the evening, it's our least productive time. So 
And he said, let's just take them, take them out of school for a week. And we went out to Yosemite and our plan was to bring their homework and do it every day and, and do the normal stuff. But we got out there and there was no internet, no cell reception. And my, my oldest daughter had forgot her homework. And so we were at first we were panicked. Oh my God, Aaron's not gonna be able to work. We're not gonna be able to do this. And the, you know, they're not gonna get their homework done. And then after a little bit, we just said, well, there's nothing we can do about it. So we spent that next week doing some of the most awesome things as a family. We did these, you know, hikes to waterfalls and we'd go out and, and every night we'd like learn from, learn from one of the rangers there about something. We learned from a mountain climber, a rock climber about rock climbing. We learned about, you know, special art. We learned about birds. You know, we learned about glaciation. So we went through the, through the park and we did all these amazing things. So for that week, we learned all sorts of stuff. We didn't have any electronics. We didn't have any, any responsibilities to the outside world. And we just lived up our life as a family. And, and it was, and it was just an incredible time. And then we, and then we started driving back home on Sunday and I could see the panic starting to raise in my daughter's eyes. Like, Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to like? I, now you got to get my homework done. She's getting back. So we get back at like two in the afternoon and, and she was super stressed. Well, you know what? Let's just do the best we can. Just get out your homework. Let's come sit down and try to do it. And it was kind of like that four hour work week idea where when you have immense focus on something, Mm -hmm. And you have deadlines and you're, and you're there and it's important to you. You'll knock stuff out much quicker than you think. And when you batch it together, doing it all at the same time, you can. So we sat there for the next two hours and I would help her set up her worksheet. She would do her worksheet. When she had questions, I was there to answer it. We were trying to get it done as quickly as we could. So I had to stay right next to her. And when she didn't need me, I'd just be hanging out. And then when she did need me, she'd go, well, what about this? And then, and the, so at the end of that two hours, really, she got her whole week's worth of homework done wow. and she was able to get it finished. Also during that time, we love this part of it because I taught her long division during that. Like it was the first time she had to do long division. And so I was able to teach her back and forth. And the, at first it was impossible. And then we got there. So I went to drop her off at school on Monday and she had her homework and she was ready. And the, and when I went to pick her up from school, I was so excited to pick her up to say like, Hey, how did it go? And when I picked her up, she was dad, you would never believe this. I'm the only one that knows long division. They didn't even get to it last week. And so what was super funny is in that two hours, we did the week that they were supposed to do at school and her classmates didn't even get that far. And that was kind of our first discovery of what we think is the perfect equation for doing education and homework and school, right? And that perfect equation is in a classroom, they teach to every different level. Every kid learns at a different level. Every kid sees things at a different level. Some kids are going to pick up a certain math problem quick. Some kids are going to need extra help. So one-on-one, -on -one, one hour at a time of focus with an adult being there to answer a question as soon as they have it. Cause in a classroom, your kid could raise their hand and have to wait for like eight other questions and they already know those answers. So we discovered that was like the most efficient way of learning. And then over that next year, we would do that, you know, about once a month or once every couple months, we were still taking them to school, but we pulled them out of school for a week, you know, get a week off and then do that focus. And then, you know, about nine months later, you know, the, we had gone to school September, October, and then I was out of town on a break and my wife had said, you know, I, I know too much now about, about what's wrong with, with us sending them there. I know, you know, I don't like doing it anymore. And she said, I'm going to pull them out of school today. Wow. Well, for it. She pulled the kids out of school. The, she started homeschooling at that point. And that was this whole other journey of what we talk about in the book. We expected it to be one way and then we had to, to change it over. But the, the big part of, Kind of that summary of our story, the, our, our book, is, it's, an, it's an inspirational guide, right? To tell people, this is how it worked for us, to try to tell people, it's okay to question your environment. For the longest time, we were unhappy taking them to a school in a normal setting, but we thought, hey, you just suck it up. Life is hard sometimes. You just do it. Everybody did it. We did it. You're supposed to do it. Um, we want people to, to know it's okay to kind of question the way it is. We also want to tell people there's, there's like a thousand different types of schools out there. You know, there's, we do it one way, but there's world schoolers, homeschoolers, nature schools, there's private schools, there's, there's charter schools, there's all these different opportunities. So the, so just go out there and look for different options. Um, and then it was also kind of, that we just didn't want people to feel like they were alone. Cause when we were going through the battle, we felt like we were alone. We felt like there weren't very many resources to say like, Hey, we're kind of uncomfortable with this, but we just have to suck it up and do it. But it just doesn't mm -hmm. feel right. So we wanted to be able to inspire people with that. And then on uh, my wife's Facebook and Instagram page, that's where she gives, you know, daily lessons, daily habits, you know, shares, you know, curriculum, things like that. And so the, the book was more, and part of that was just because of the success of the book. We didn't, we didn't, we, again, we did not realize that the, that it was going to take off so quickly. And um, 
And in the book, we give a whole chapter of credit to, to you know, to Tim Ferriss' four-hour work week and going, all we really did was take his principles for how to live a bigger life and apply it to school and apply it to teaching our kids. Yes, I love it. And um, I have the feeling that the only people that haven't picked up on all of this yet are the actual schools. <laughs> like everybody keeps, because so far everybody that I've been interviewing is, is talking about, or when I talk to them about this, is this topic is how stressed their kids are and, and you know, how not productive it is to go to school. Um, yeah. The only thing I'm just focused on right now is that they learn how to read and write <laughs> and then they make friends and learn how to interact with them, right? Uh, yeah. And everything else, well, we, we take care. As it goes, um, homeschooling here in Europe is not very big yet. Uh, I don't even know if it's... Uh, um, if it's done here in Spain, I haven't investigated it yet. Really? I, I do realize that in, uh, I got some friends in the UK that homeschool their kids and especially in the U S it's, it's a, it's a, it's a big topic. Um, and I love it. So I can't wait to, uh, to get my hands on your book and see how, how you guys get that organized. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and who knows, maybe it's something that, you know, we need to start introducing more here as well. It's especially a big message to those schools. It's like, look, you're, your whole system is outdated. It's not working. And you're not creating what we're supposed to create in the world that we're living now. The world's going way too fast to, to continue to create just more zombies, right? More little zombies doing everything the same and uh, just going from a zombie kid into what I call a zombie dad and uh, just work your whole life and not just have life live you instead of the other way around, right? So that said, um, I want to hop in real quick because, you know, um, I'm assuming that your wife is the one schooling your kids, right? I, ca I can't hear you. No, that's okay. You, you, no. <laughs> the, I, that's okay. I muted for a second. Yeah, yeah that's so it's, it's mostly like an 80-20, right? So she okay. does most of it. Mm -hmm. And then... There are some things that the, you know, that, that I'll do some things that they'll say, you know, with math, they'll come back and they'll have questions for dad. Mm -hmm. I work from home. And so when they're doing it in that hour, if they need me, they, they come here. We were just in San Diego for a week. And, and that was an example of, I was at a, I was at a work conference. So mm -hmm. every day I would go to this conference and she would get up and take them to the San Diego zoo for, you know, for the day. And then, you know, the next day she would take them to like SeaWorld or somewhere else. And so that was their education and their school for the week. And then the last day I got to go with them on one of the activities. So the, most of the responsibility of the teaching does, it, it falls on her shoulders because that's the role that she has decided to focus on. But the fun part of that too is the, you know, it's really like that, that hour a day is the traditional school type stuff, math, reading that. And the rest of it is just fun and enjoying the kids. So it's less about school. It's more about like having this experience, this life experience. Some days when they're, when they're done, they're going to go to a children's museum. Some days they're going to go to this trampoline park and just jump on the trampoline all day, you yeah. know, but it's just, uh, and she's the one hanging out with them for most of that. Mm -hmm. So, sorry, I just get trying to wrap my brain around it, but I got something in my head because you're very busy, the kids are at your home, you're doing everything. So communication, I think, with you and your wife and, and structurizing, organizing everything so it fits together and it works for just everybody needs to be, I guess, top notch on top, right? How, how do you have that set up to make sure that um, everything works for everybody? Yeah, you know, we're, we had the benefit of trying this a whole bunch of different ways, right? Mm. We had we had a job before where I worked full time at an office. I would go to an office where all my employees were, and she worked full time as a broker, selling the houses. And we had nannies raising our kids, so she got to we got to experience what life was like that way. Mm. And even though at first we were growing our businesses like this, but then when success starts hitting and people start telling you how awesome you are, we started like growing our businesses like this. Like she was growing her business over here. I was growing my business over here and we weren't doing it together anymore. Mm. It was more like a competition. It was really weird. So we had, so we had seen all the, we got to try all these ways that didn't work. So our, our, our biggest, our biggest secret to success was, um, was finding these clear roles that worked for us and our family. Mm. Everyone's is different, but I think everyone has to try a bunch of different roles to see, you know, and through, um, you know, and, 
And back in like 2014, 2015, when I said, hey, I need your help again. Like, hey, I've reset the business. Cause it was almost easy in 2013 when it was like, hey, you need to take care of the kids. I'm going to start a business. But I don't have houses for you to sell anymore, right? Um, but then when I actually had a need for her to come help me in my business again, and she was smart enough to say, uh, you know, we have a lot of people tell us like, how can you do this when both parents work? Well, there are ways to do it. You know, there's people that, that you know, like coaches and talks to that do do it and they do it on real low incomes and they're very successful at it and they have great stories on how they do it. They've got hacks that we couldn't even touch. Um, but the, but for us, what we found really, really worked was she was smart enough to say, no, I'm going to forego that income, even though we think we can't afford it because our kids are more important because our life is more important because our focus is more important. And I was like, I don't know how we're going to pay our mortgage if you don't help me with, with this. And she said, no, it's not important. I'm going to focus on the kids. And so we have very clear defined roles, right? And that clear defined, because I also want to help them with, with school. I want to help them with travels. I want to be a, 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 as much a part of it as I can, but that depends on how busy my work schedule is that week. So our responsibilities are, you know, she's going to be in charge of, you know, of the education, the experience with the kids 80% of the time. I'm going to be, you know, making, you know, bringing in the household income is going to be my responsibility like 80% of the time. And then she has other stuff that she does for that. I have stuff that I do to, to, to help them with school, but the, but we have our, we kind of have our zones that we're comfortable in. And again, and the best part of that story was, was by, by us getting comfortable with the idea that instead of her uh, working, she was going to focus on building up the family and making it as strong as possible. Then she was also able to support me and go, no, you can, you can, we had an apartment complex that I bought in 24 hour notice, right? I had a chance to buy it. I, had to, I, I walked into to dinner and said, Hey, I need to fly to Mississippi tonight. Right. And I, and I didn't know about it before that. Right. The, with that environment, you get to do that. If she is the one, if, if we have our clear roles and it's support dad to do it, I got to go in there and they go, Oh, cool. Fly to Mississippi. Go do it. And we bought that apartment and it, you know, and, and it made a lot of money. Right. Or, or we find a different deal. And so, the, for me to be able to really succeed at, at my stuff, to know that the, I can go anywhere on a moment's notice to go make a business deal happen or make something happen, that's, that's one of our secrets. And the, but, but, but like the way we're able to co-mingle is we tried it a whole bunch of different ways. That part didn't work. We really like the roles that we're in now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been more successful than it was when we were both working. Yeah, I like that. Clear roles, dividing in between. But that, as again, yet again, that must mean that you sit around the table and really put everything out and discuss like, okay, what roles are there to be filled, right? And yep. then what would you like to do? What would I like to do? What's left over? How are we going to divide this up? And then together we're going to build this into a perfect. Yeah, you know, there, there's some hacks. So we have dinner together as a family every single night. Mm. Like no matter what, we're sitting at a kitchen table or we're sitting at a restaurant every single night. We don't eat separately. We don't have kids eat in one room. We eat another, but we have dinner every single night. We go to church every Sunday when we're in town. And if I'm out of town and they're in town, they, they go. So we go every single Sunday. We don't miss it no matter what, you know, if we're traveling and we're somewhere where we don't have a church, it's the only time that we miss. But those are some of our rituals that we do all the time. One of the exercises that we, you know, Kalina went to a, a wives mastermind uh, through Go Wives through our Go Abundance group. And they went and they had this, you know, this, this lady come talk to them about like their values and what they really liked. And part of that is, is saying like, uh, what are the things that you do? What are the responsibilities you do and how does it make you feel? So as a dad, your responsibilities could be, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a brother, I'm a son, I'm a, I'm a boss, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm the, the diaper changer, I am the, the guy that takes the trash out. So you've got this long list of, of roles that you have. Mm. How do they make you feel? Uh, being a dad makes me feel like a five. Oh, taking the trash out? Some people, that makes them feel like a five. They're providing value. They like it. It's, they, they like that responsibility. Some people are like, I hate doing it. It doesn't bring me any value. I do it because I have to, but I wish somebody else did it. Wives and moms, there's their wives, moms, sister, daughter. They've got all these roles. And along the way, it's like cooking, you know, doing laundry, you know, the, all these things, you know, traditional. And maybe, and, and this can also be flipped, that husband could be the one doing laundry. I'm the one that does dishes in our house, right? So we have these different kind of roles but one of the challenges that she came back from that on that, that as you're trying to figure that stuff out mm -hmm. is also what stuff can we outsource? Mm -hmm. What stuff is there that the, that when you do it, it really weighs heavily on you. You hate doing it, but you feel like you need to, and it's your responsibility to do it when maybe there's a better value. You know, there's ways to have 
you know, laundry services pick up laundry and bring it back for about the same price of doing it yourself. And then it really just takes that weight off. You know, there's a lot of different, so we have a lot of roles that here are the roles you do, here are the roles I do. If there's a role that both of us hate, we see, figure out if we can outsource it. Mm -hmm. if you can outsource somebody to clean the house, if you can outsource somebody to do the laundry, things like that. I can't outsource dishwashing, so I still have to do that as, as much as I wish that I could have somebody just come wash the dishes every day. But as soon as my kids are a little bit older, I'm going to outsource that one for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That becomes in the in role as well, right? Your kids are still young, but as soon as they get older, you can outsource stuff to them, which is also good for yeah, them. Yeah, they'll be able to help me with that. Yeah, I, I can't wait for that one either. <laughs> Plus, it's, it's, it's good for them to get that responsibility um, to, to learn to be self-sufficient as well, right? For when they, uh, they grow up. Perfect. I love that explanation. Clear, defined roles and then outsourcing um, what, what both of you don't like to do wherever possible. That, that works really well. Um, I want to jump back to something that I really... Um, I picked up on when you were sharing that you guys went to um, Yosemite, it was, right? Um, I went once with my parents, and it was absolutely amazing park. You just mentioned, like, there was no electronics. So that just popped in my head and made me like, hey, I got to ask Aaron, what is your um, view on electronics, and how are you um, working on that with your kids? They're still young. Uh, how, how much access time do they have? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's such a complicated deal, right? So the, there's a great book called uh, Screenwise, mm -hmm. which talks a lot about our kids. So when we grew up, there wasn't technology, and technology occurred as we were growing up. You know, there was like, like 10 people had a cell phone by the time I was in high school, right? Mm -hmm. People had beepers and pagers, and then now it's, so now, so we grew up like adopting, well, our kids are growing up as digital natives. Mm -hmm. Right. So when they were born, technology was there. Technology was everywhere. And it's only going to be more and more and more. Right. So we can't actually like ignore it. If we ignore it, they're not going to be prepared for stuff. There's also a lot of studies, though, about what's healthy for the brain, what isn't. And our whole schooling kind of method, one of our one of the things we talk about is the reason that anyone is able to homeschool is YouTube will tell you any answer you need. They will teach you how to do anything that you need. Khan Academy will teach you what you need. Time for learning will teach. There's all these different things out there. So a big part of our school requires them to have you know, a laptop where they go through their coursework and they do, do some different things, right? Mm -hmm. So the, we are fans of technology because of what it can bring us. The part that we're not fans about is the scary part about it and also the brain development part. And so, you know, screen-wise, that, that book talks a lot about like how to set those boundaries, you know, and, and how to go through that to figure out what you're comfortable with and what you're not. So we set time limits for things. We don't, um, you know, we have to set time limits for, hey, you can watch YouTube, and if it's educational, you have this much time, and if it's not educational, you have this much time. Most of the time, YouTube is a no if it's not educational time, mm. because we think there's pros and cons to that. The other part about that book talks about really educating, like technology can be such an awesome tool when used the right way, but you need to educate your kids on the pros and the cons of it, the mm. good stuff that can happen on the internet, the bad stuff that can happen on the internet, the messaging that can happen what to pay attention to, what to be skeptical of, what to be willing to do. So if we just bury our heads in the sand, then they grow up and then, then they get technology and that's like, holy crap. Mm -hmm. So we'd much rather it be a very controlled thing that we're a part of, that we see what they're looking at, that we see what's there and teach them how to use this amazing tool. So the, um, we also know that it's, it's like the ultimate pacifier when we need it, right? Mm -hmm. Like my son is actually a really, really good traveler. He flies all over the world and, and he's done really good. You know, he's like an executive level on American airlines, but the, um, but he's three. And so sometimes he's also just a pain in the butt mm -hmm. and he starts screaming for no reason. And it's really easy to like throw in my phone, right? And go here, grab my phone, watch it, watch a movie, right? The, it's just about being selective on when to do that. I do know that every time I do that, I'm reinforcing his habit of scream and fix it. Mm -hmm. But on an airplane is not where I want to do that battle. I had the same battle with him at 4.30 this morning when he woke up. He's like, I want to go watch TV, right? And I'm like, no. Now, today, because I'm home and it's a comfortable thing, I can have that battle. I can tell him, no, you're not going to watch YouTube today. We're going to do this instead. We're going to play cars, come back to my office, and do these sorts of things. So, the, um, so we're conscious of it, but we, but we think that the, it's super important that they get to learn it. The, we started with, we used to let them watch TV a lot. And then we said, hey, you can watch a couple hours a day. And now they have an Alexa where they do set a timer. So they can watch it in the morning or they can watch it at night. 
the um, we're trying to get into the habit to where we turn it off by like eight or eight thirty and make them read their last thirty minutes. Mm -hmm. Our two older girls, that's easy to do. Our um, our six year old is you know she's an okay reader. It's a little harder to do, but that's one of our goals that we're trying to accomplish this year is because we think that's a that's a healthier balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, let me ask you this. I just finished a book called Curious, and that book is actually saying that because of the fact that we now have all the answers present, like thanks to Google, thanks to YouTube, um, us and our kids are getting less curious because they just have every single thing on the tip of their tongue. What is your experience with that? Or what's your, what's your thought on, the, on, on that matter? I, I think I would agree with that theory, mm. right? That the, that, um, you know, it's still, you can still do it a little bit, right? There'll be times in the car when the kids can ask, like, how does Charlotte says, like, how does the gas work in a car? Mm -hmm. right? How does it make the car go? And so on the drive home, we can say, I don't know. You know, maybe it's like this. Maybe it's like this. A lot of time it's, we're going to ask Google later. Mm -hmm. Right. But there's ways that the, um, that at least as a family, you can have those conversations of like, hey, let's make some guesses, knowing that we're going to ask Google as soon as we get home and get the real guess. But like, mm -hmm. let's, because you don't want to tell them things that aren't true, but you can go, I, you know, it might be like this, it might be like this, it might be like this, but let's go check it out. Um, so I think that's, we, that isn't even really an intentional thing. It's just a thing that we do. But I think that's a protection around like this, the keeping us curious. Um, there are so many pros and cons of the fact that information is available in a second. And it's only going to get faster. Mm. You know, 5G is going to hit internet gets faster. Cars are going to start talking to each other much quicker. Like there's all sorts of things that, that are on the verge. Even like the Google Glass had the information in your eye, right? There's all sorts of, there's all sorts of ways that it's going to get more and more. So I think it's probably a good theory. I think the ways to, uh, to undo that or, or to, to make it there is to have a certain amount of time. Kids still love playing with toys more than they love electronics. Mm. The, they love playing with their parents way more than they love electronics. My son would choose to play cars with me for eight hours in a row if I would do it, right? Mm. He's never the one that says, let's stop playing. I want to go watch TV instead. I'm the one that says, I don't have enough time to play anymore. Now you can go watch TV, mm. right? So as parents, it's, that part's really up to us. If we want them to stay curious and we want them to, to be active and use less screen time, and we just have to go play with them or set them up in environments where they can play because they would choose us every time. Mm -hmm. um, we just don't set that up. And then it's the same thing with the, with the curiosity. I think as questions come up, it's really easy. Like, let's try to guess the answer first. Let's talk about those can be some really, really fun conversations. Um, and then also like, so we read the zoo, Charlotte read a, a thing about global warming. Mm -hmm. Right. And the, and she was like really interested in it. It like scared her. Right. She was like, really concerned scared drawn work she was super concerned and so then that night she's like dad so if this is happening with global warming what's going to happen in a few years mm -hmm. and so then that created this conversation she said, oh well your electric car that makes it a little bit better right and so we have all these different conversations with it so i think giving them the information and just making sure there is time for those normal conversations because i think they would still rather hear it from us than google absolutely it's just my theory on it no, 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 no. And I appreciate you sharing it. And um, I was just going to mention like the fact that you guys go a lot to the zoo and go on trips and, and to Yosemite and all those places and get to meet, um, you know, experts uh, like park rangers and, and, and those kind of people that will help a lot in curiosity because they will get the opportunity to ask a lot of questions. Um, so so that's, that's really good and, and a very valuable lesson for others. Um, and I'm sometimes make myself guilty of that is that you stay so much in the house that you're just on the couch and, and you're just in the same environment, right? And going out of that, that will help a lot with that uh, aspect as well. Yeah. Um, man, you guys are married a long, long time, right? Uh, I got tons of kids already. <laughs> um, I, I'm just wondering what's, what's your, um, because um, I was actually having a discussion today and um, it, it seems more and more and, and quicker that people just give up on their marriage and they go each the separate way. And, and if that's the only option, I, I agree, but it just looks like it's simpler just to say. What would be, or what, what is your guys' um, biggest insight on why it works for you and why you're making it work? Yeah, the, there's, 
So a lot of times divorce is a simpler way. Yeah, absolutely. But it's not the, but, but for us, like our biggest thing is stay married. Mm. Right. Because the next relationship, you're going to have the same issue. Mm -hmm. You're going to, and if it's not that issue, it's going to be a different one where the real like value of marriage comes like my wife and I, we love each other more every day, Mm. almost every day. We'll get a fight and so you're a little, little bit out of the tank. But then after you get through those things, it gets even higher, right? Like if you would have told us today that we'd be closer and more in love than we were at year one, I'd be like, I don't know if I, I believe that. Now, when we were on the verge of divorce and I was looking for apartments to go stay in and our life was a wreck, there's no way. I, I, that was a point of no return. There was, there was no way that I think we were going to be better off. No way that I think that this, this crisis that I created, because most of the crisis, most of the, our relationship problems were, were from me. They were my fault. Mm-hmm. And there was no way that this crisis that I created was going to make us better in the long run. Mm-hmm. Right? But what I can say for us, our experience is we stayed married and the, the couple, you know, so we had this point where it's like, should we get a divorce? The next two years, maybe the next three years was like, life was really hard with business and with marriage. And we had to intentionally show up and go to counseling and do all these things that were like fighting for our marriage. And most of the time we were like, it would have been way easier to get a divorce. So it would have been simpler and easier to do that. But we went through that hard part no matter what. And the, and then what happened, you get through the other side and you're like, whoa, now we can say anything. Now we can do anything. Now we, now we know each other inside and out. No, now it's, now, you know, it's so getting through the hard stuff is what actually makes marriage fun. And it actually makes marriage great. You know, going through those really, really rough times is why, is why now we love it. And so I, and I actually, I actually think that that's almost why marriage was created, right? To tell us to stay together even when we don't want to. Mm. Because it's really easy to date, have fun, you know, be happy for one year, be happy for five years, be happy for 10 years, and then realize, hey, we're not happy anymore. And so, the, so I think marriage keeps us to stay together even at times we don't like the other person. And if we can get through those things and just, because time heals a lot, as long as, as long as both people are active, as long as both people want to make that marriage better. But, the, but that's been our secret. Stay married no matter what. Because mm. the stuff that's really, really hard, it would be much easier to get a divorce. But, I, but for us, making it through that tough stuff, our marriage is way better now than it was before I created all those crises. Mm. And, the, and when we were in the middle of it, there's no way we would have said, oh, we're grateful we went through that. But the, we're grateful we went through that. Nice. I, uh, I appreciate your honesty as well, Aaron, with saying that, you know, hey, we, we went through that hole, right? Because sometimes you always see marriages of people sharing stuff on, on again, social media, and you're just like, wow, they've been married for 40 years, and they're, they must have been so happy because all the pictures you see, they just smiles on their faces when you have no idea that at the same time, the knife come out as soon as the camera's gone, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, we, it is, that's one of, the, um, one of the things that we try to share and re-explain to people on like Instagram and social media. We've had a lot of people go, oh, we can't, we can't homeschool because our life's not like yours. Mm. Or we can't do that list with like yours. Oh, you guys are happy. You guys are this. And it's right now, yes, we have a great marriage. Financially, we're doing great. Our kids are in this really awesome spot. We're traveling the world and we're getting to make the most of every, every day. And we're you know, scratching off bucket list items like crazy. Like we just went to you know, see the Northern Lights and, and, the, and, and, and you know, cool. Finland and Iceland, all these different places, right? We did all these awesome, awesome stuff and we do it all the time. But, the, but what we do need to remind people a lot is uh, it wasn't that long ago that I was $300,000 in debt with no money, not knowing how I was going to pay my mortgage. It wasn't that long ago where Kalina was a waitress working nights at a casino. It wasn't that long ago when we had babysitters and dropping our kids off at school and we were miserable. And it wasn't that long ago that we were going to counseling, you know, sometimes every day. Right. So the, we got through that stuff to get to here, but it's trying to remind people on social media, what you, most of the time, what you see is the highlight reel. You Mm -hmm. see what's really, really good. You don't see the bad. And, and, and then people use that as their differences. Oh, we can't do that because our life doesn't look like theirs. Our life is great today. This is a season next year. It might be different. A few mm-hmm. years ago, it was very different. So we t- just treat life will have these seasons and relationships will have these seasons of up and down and up and down. And, the, and, when, it's, and when it's down, you got to just buckle down and get in the foxhole together and make it through it. And when it's up, you got to live your best life, make the most of it, create the happiest memories because that's what will get you through those downs when those happen again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I was almost going to ask you, like, what, what would get you through or what would your advice be for um, – 
no, likewise, dampeners as such that are in that valley right now, but you just mentioned it, just buckle down and work on it together and, and take those steps and just, you know, <laughs> make the first step towards that mountaintop, right? And just keep going until you reach it and then hope, try and stay on it as long as possible. So I really appreciate you sharing that. I'm checking my time real quick, people. Um, we're almost at the end. You already shared a couple of books. Um, and we talked about marriage, so it was really important for me to, to know from you as well. Um, let's just start off with my last question, Aaron, because um, I'm sure, like me, <laughs> a lot of others have tons of questions. Uh, more for you. Um, how can people stay in contact with you? How can they follow you? Or maybe even how can they follow, because you just mentioned your wife is sharing a lot of stuff in regards to homeschooling on um, her Instagram, for example um share a couple of stuff things that we can um you know keep following you yeah and we'd love to i, I want to be able to talk to people online i want to be able to reach people online i want people to you know to, to find us ask questions mm. see what's out there interact you know the there's people will say well, well what about this or how can i do this and 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 right now we there, there's so much we do we, my, you know my wife especially has so much interaction so mm. um Find me on Facebook. If you post my, uh, you know, I guess on this Facebook, you'll have my, my name tagged on there. I've got, a, I've got two different pages on Facebook, but my, my name's easy to find, Aaron Muchastegui. The, um, so one is a business page, one is a, one is a personal one. Add me as a friend, follow my business page. The would, would love to find and meet more people there. I'm on Instagram as Aaron Muchastegui. The My wife, we have, uh, her name is Kalina. It's K-A-L-E-E-N-A. You can find her as a friend on Facebook. Plus, we have our page, the Five Hour School Week on Facebook. On Facebook, the uh, and on Instagram. Let me see what that tagline is. I think it's the Five Hour School Week. Sorry, I want to make sure I, I, I get it right. I appreciate that. Yeah, Five Hour School Week is one is the number five, and then Hour School Week, all one word. The Five Hour School Week. The, um, and I, you know, the best thing people can do is they can, so follow us on all that stuff. Let's chat, send us messages, ask us questions. The, and you know, if you ask us a question in any of those places, we post it, we share it. You know, Kalina's live story goes through a bunch of those questions every day and goes through it. But also if you go to our website, you can go to the five hour school week, five hour school week numbers, spell it out. We have like eight different versions of the URL, right? Five hour school week on there. There's a spot to sign up for the newsletter. The, and in that newsletter, you'll get like three or four emails right away that say, here's like our, a day in the life. Here's some different things. Here's more about us. And then you get the monthly newsletter. You get different tips. You get deals. And then, of course, you can go buy the book on Amazon. The, um, you can get it in, uh, as an easy download on Kindle or you can get the books, book sent to you. We, I don't think we've sold any in Spain yet. I would be so excited if through your following we get to – we have in London and in Australia and some other places, but we haven't gotten to Spain yet. So I would love to see some, some sales happen in in Spain after this, but, but really the, uh, we did not do the five hour school week for the money. We did the five hour school week to be able to change lives, to be able to make people live a better life, to be able to inspire them and share the stories with us. So they could, if nothing else, just question, Hey, we don't necessarily have to do this just because it's the way it's always been done. Let's create the life that we want, whatever that looks like. Exactly. Awesome. So again, I really appreciate you taking the time on a Sunday and we just, I think for everybody, every dad out there is like, you know, family time. So I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your knowledge, insights, and experience with us. So thank you very much, Aaron. Uh, for everybody else that's watching with us, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I hope this was valuable. And um, we will see each other very soon on our next live interview. So take Thanks care. Thanks for having me. It was great time talking. Thank you. Are you still meeting up with your friends? Now that you're a father, kids making you stress out, you got no time for yourself to work out, read, or relax. Can you still remember the time you were hanging out with your friends, feeling energetic, happy, and confident, spending time together and talking about your life and your crazy dreams? You're feeling alone now, don't you? No one to share your challenges with, and you're just running around from one storm into the next. Well, it's time to change this now. Join me and the Brotherhood of Fearless Fathers to speak on a weekly basis with like-minded dads 
to crush your challenges. Face your fears with determination. Be held accountable and regain control of your life. If you want to become the hero your family needs you to be, then go to becomeafearlessfather.com/brotherhood. Looking forward to seeing you on one of our next calls.